Guys, uh, good morning. Welcome to Impact City Church again. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys play at 3.30, so we're going to just kind of blow through this, okay? We're going to kind of just kind of grow through it, so we're going to pray for the Cowboys, and we're going to go home, okay? No, no, actually not. So last week, uh, we looked at, at the story of Jesus wrecking shop uh, at the temple because of the people inside it were, by his words, making it a den of thieves. They were coming into the temple, messing up, they were selling cows and and animals, and they were just kind of wrecking shop. And then by, before that, we learned that as he was walking to the temple that morning, that there was a tree that he saw, and this tree was in leaf, so to speak. And it had a lot of leaves on the tree. It looked like it was full of life. But as a result, we learned that he walked up to the tree and was looking for fruit in the tree and did not find any fruit in the tree. As a result, he cursed the tree. And because of him cursing the tree, the tree withered and died later on that day. And then we said that, we as Christians can be a lot like that tree sometimes, that we as Christians can appear to have it all together. We can have the nice house, the nice car. We can have the nice clothes. We can look like we have everything together. I mean, we can have everything paid off in our bank account, and life just seems good. But we can be just as fruitless as that tree in our spiritual walk with God, that everything looks good. But it really isn't, because when someone comes to you for nourishment, because that's what fruit is for, they can find absolutely nothing in you that is of any value to anyone else. And then we talked about how uh, Jesus went to the temple after that, and he saw the temple being just, like I said, just all messed up, people going in there and buying and selling animals, and he freaked out, and he wrecked shop. He drove everyone out of the temple, and he was mad at the chief priests because they were the ones that should have been upset about this, but because they were actually getting a slice of the pie, they were getting a piece of the profit of everything going in there, and their pride was involved, that Jesus was actually upset with them, and we said that we could be just like those people where we tend to put things above Jesus very easily in our lives. And before you know it, you're actually more interested in your prosperity and your pride than you are in your uh, presence of being with Jesus. And that was what we talked about last week. So today, I want to quickly revisit the last part of that story and then pick up where it left off. And so if you have your Bibles, please open it up to the Gospel of Mark chapter 11. We're going to be continuing that today. Get your Bibles out. If you don't have your Bibles, the Scripture is going to be up on the screen. Also, if you're a Facebook junkie, log on to the Facebook page. Uh, the Scripture is just posted. You can follow along through there as well. And while you're there, go ahead and check in and let someone know that you guys are here at Impact City Church. Everyone good? Everyone's okay? All right. I got a swig of my coffee. I wake up here too. All right, let's start off like this. Chapter 11, verse 20 in the Gospel of Mark. It says, as they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Now that is basically where we left off last week. That is the last thing that we saw in this story. And if the story was to end there, it'd be a pretty good story. But as you'll find out that the story is going to continue and do even more. So this week, I want us to kind of go a little further into that story. And in fact, Jesus is fixing to say something very encouraging to us. I want us to remember about the fig tree. Remember what what he did there. Remember how he cursed the fig tree and it withered and died. And he's fixing to say something very encouraging to us today. He's fixing to talk about one of the lifelines of Christianity, one of the pillars of our foundations. Yes, 
Jesus is fixing to talk to his disciples about prayer. So if you have your Bibles, keep reading along. This is verse 23. Jesus is going to talk to us today about prayer. Verse 23 says, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive, for if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you for of your trespasses. Now, I believe that this is one of the most confusing things in our faith, is prayer. That many of us as Christians today are confused about how prayer works, what exactly is prayer, and how do we do it, and what do we have to do when we do it, and all of that. See, many of us don't understand it, so we don't do it. Many of us are afraid of it, and so we don't do it. Many of us don't know how to do it, and so when we do it, we don't do it with enough confidence, and we don't do it right. And some of us think that we're doing it, but we probably aren't doing it because we don't fully understand exactly what it is. So to help us with that here today, I want us to write down three things we need to know about prayer. If you're taking notes, and I hope you are, three things we need to know about prayer. Number one. One of the characteristics of prayer is that it is to God. Prayer is to God. Jesus said, and he answered him, have faith in God. Mark eleven twenty two. So right after he cursed the tree, and the disciples were astonished at this, and they're, they're walking by, and they're like, wait a minute, wasn't that the tree that Jesus was looking at earlier today? It was all leafy, now it's all withered up and dead. Jesus tells them that they need to have faith in God. And then he goes on to tell them something even more profound, more just crazy. He goes, and if you keep praying, if you have faith in God, you will have faith to do great things. And you will even be able to move mountains. And here's why. It's very important to remember that there is no power in the prayer itself, that the power is in God, that's in the God that we're praying to. He says to have faith in God, in me, have faith in God whenever you pray. Because there is no power in prayer. There's only power in the one we are praying to. Now, before you kick back and misquote me on Facebook and say my pastor says that prayer is not powerful, that's not what I'm saying. Prayer can do powerful things. Prayer can lead to breakthroughs and powerful things. Things like breakthroughs and victories in life and things that, that we need to have around us. Prayer can lead to those things. But it's not the prayer that's powerful. It's the one that we are praying to that makes those prayers happen. It may seem simple and obvious to us, but we tend to overlook it. See, I believe that our prayers can go one of three ways. That when we pray, we can go one of three ways. The first way it can go is that we can pray to people other than God. That we can make the mistake to pray to people other than God. These are prayers that some people might do for gods like Muhammad. You might be praying to Muhammad. You might be praying to gods like Buddha as well. If I'm stepping on your toes, I'm sorry. Uh, prayers to saints. St. Peter, St. Francis, St. John, and all the other saints in, in that type of religion. Or even the Virgin Mary. We will pray to people that, like that. But what does God say? He says, pray to me. See, the fact of the matter is, and the sad thing is, that none of these people, none of these people, none of these made-up gods will ever do anything to you. And they do anything for you when you pray to them. You're just wasting your breath at that moment. We can, it's like praying to a brick wall, asking it to move mountains for you. It doesn't do anything for you. Secondly, 
you can also make the mistake of praying to yourself. You can make the mistake of praying to yourself. And you don't believe me, I bet you all of us have done it. See, there is no true power in us that if we just think about these things that we're praying to ourselves. There's no true power in just thinking good thoughts or repeating words to yourself. There's no power in that. Our prayer is not a mental exercise for peace of mind. It is something that we have to say to ourselves and to God at the same time. Prayer has to be a conscious plea to God. Our prayers have to be a conscious plea to God. See, oftentimes we confuse thinking and talking with praying. And we go around, we think that our struggles, and we, when we think about the things that, that give us anxiety and the things that cause us guilt and stress in our lives, that if we just think about these things, that we're actually praying about these things. But in reality, we're not. Because when we actually analyze what we've been doing, we find out that we're actually just talking to ourselves and thinking about the struggles that we have. We've never approached God and say, God, hello, I'm talking directly to you right now. I need help right now. I need this. We've never, you know, we've been doing a lot of thinking. We've been doing a lot of dissecting. We've been doing a lot of analyzing. We've been seeking counsel from people, but we've never actually prayed to God about the thing that we're actually struggling with. And just because something is on our mind does not mean that we've prayed about it. I mean, let's all think about those things for a minute. All those things that give you stress and anxiety, frustrations, all of those things for a second, have you actually prayed to God about those things? Have you said, God, here I am. God, here is my struggle. God, I need you. Lord, come help me. I'm pleading with you, Lord. Or have you just talked about it in your mind? Have you sought counsel but not actually prayed about something? One of the first things, if you know me, if you ever come to counseling with me, the first thing I'm going to ask you is, have you prayed about this? Have you prayed about this? And I'm like, well, no. I said, don't come back to me until you have. Because we should go to God first for everything. When we pray, it has to be to God. To God. You see, when we confuse these two things, we actually miss out on the power of prayer. When we pray to patron saints and deities of other religions, we're not really praying to the one true God. And when we simply think about our problems and think about things, we say things like, man, I really need a change, or man, I really hope this thing comes through, or I really hope I get this job, or I really hope this happens in my life. We're not really praying. We're just meditating and thinking about those things to ourselves. When we pray, it has to be to God and not to anyone else. Second thing, when we pray, it has to be through Jesus, to God and through Jesus. Look at verse 23 again. Verse 23 says, And I say to you, whenever some, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he has, what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Jesus told his disciples to have faith in God and then made an outlandish promise to them. He told the disciples that their prayers will give them access to such power that they'll be able to see mountains plucked up and then dropped into the ocean. That's impossible, right? Now, I'm not sure if Jesus was talking literal here or if he was actually saying it because he could make that happen. But what he is really trying to say is that if you pray to me and if you pray through me and to me and believe this, then you will see the impossible happen. He is urging our imagination to think about the impossible every time we pray. Because through prayer, we will have the same unbelievable access to God and the same power that he does. After this, the disciples saw the fig tree, and I bet you they couldn't understand how it could have built it away so quickly. They looked at that fig tree, and they're like, man, how did that happen? 
that was so, like earlier today it was just full of life and now it's empty. How did that happen? And Jesus says that you think that's amazing? You think that was cool? Imagine you praying and causing mountains to move. It makes that dead tree look like a twig. You're going to do much more than me. In fact, in John 14, 12, he says this. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works as well. Because I am going to the Father. See, the essence of the gospel is in here. The fact that he died for us and as a result of his sacrifice, he has granted us access to God because of Jesus. That means that our prayers hold the same weight as his prayers of Jesus. So when we pray, God sees us as an anointed son of the Father. He sees that because we are called into that family when we are saved through the gospel of Christ. Now that is great news, but our prayers have to God and have got to be to God and through Jesus if we want this to happen. They can't be through Mary. They can't be through St. Peter. They can't be through, to God through Facebook. They can't be through just a really good pastor that you know. If you pray to me, I ain't going to help you. I can't. You can't be to the priest. You can't be praying to, to anyone else. But through Jesus, you will see power in those prayers. See, when we pray, God sees a son who is covered in Christ's righteousness. Because we have been covered by that blood. We have been covered by that grace. If we pray through Jesus. We have to be aware of the gospel and how it reminds us that we are hidden in Christ. We have to be aware for that. Covered by his grace, seen as pure, sinless people in the eyes of God. And if we don't, our prayer life will be hindered because only the gospel can uplift a prayer like that. It has to be gospel-based, not based on our works. The problem is, is that for a lot of us here, we are bent on, on just being accustomed to righteousness, and we are bent on being accustomed to defi- defining ourselves by our works. And so we feel justified that whenever we, when we, when we pray, if we're not doing things right, if we're not living right, then it's not going to happen. And that's not true. If we're praying through Jesus, through the gospel, God sees that as Jesus praying to him. We must be reminded of how much we need Jesus daily. We must be reminded of how much we need Jesus daily. The gospel causes us to pray. And the third thing is that we're praying to God through Jesus. And number three, we're praying by faith. Verse 24 says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. See, our prayers move God. Our prayers cause God to move. When we actually believe that he can do the impossible, it urges him to do the impossible for our lives. Our prayers have that type of power. But our request to him must be rooted in genuine faith, convictions, and desires that God doesn't want to hear requests that are just empty-hearted. God wants to hear a wholehearted prayer from us that truly believes that he's going to do what we ask him to do. Jesus puts the emphasis on whether or not God moves, on whether or not you believe. I love it. That it's, it's kind of that whole, like, you know, put your money where your mouth is thing. God says, I'll move mountains in your life, but you have got to truly believe that I can do that. Church, prayer is all about faith. Do we actually believe that he can do what we're asking him to do? Jesus' brother, the guy who knows Jesus probably better than any of us here today, says this about him in the book of James. If you want to turn there, this is James chapter 1, verse 5. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, 
Let them ask God, who will give generously to all without reproach. And it will be given to him. But if let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is doubly minded, understand, understandable in all his ways. How often do we pray for things that we don't actually want? No, actually, if we pray for things that we... How often do we pray for things that we don't want and don't pray for things that we actually do want? Oftentimes our prayers are full of empty religious phrases, things that say, like, make me holy, Lord. Glorify your name, Lord. Uh, Heal this person, Lord. Uh, Your will be done, Lord. And those are great sounding requests. But the reality is we really don't want those things to happen. Like, we don't really believe that they're going to happen. Many times we get around people and we say, I'll pray for you, brother. And you walk away and you don't pray. Or when you do pray in a circle, in a huddle, you're more focused on the things you're saying to make yourself look good and sound better than praying straight from the heart, the wholehearted type prayer that says, I need you, Lord. I am dependent on you, Lord. By faith, I believe in you, Lord. Versus painting a beautiful picture for someone. We hurl up empty religious phrases because we're supposed to. We think that's what we're supposed to do. I think if we're honest, we tend to do that a lot. I think if we're honest, we tend to do that a lot. I know I do. And in fact, it hit me there at night when we were praying with Zach. And I, I pray with Zach every night. He's so cute. Um, every night we get together and he asks me, God, uh, I mean, uh, Daddy, can you, which is not very close to God at all. Um, he says, Daddy, can you pray for me? I said, yes, I'll pray for you. And he says, can you pray for me not to have any bad dreams? I said, okay, I got that. And for me not to see any cockroaches tonight. <laughs> the faith of a child. And so uh, I was like, okay. And so the first couple of nights, I was like, this is cute. This is cool. Like, he's asking me to pray for him. So I would, I would pray for him, right? But like every night before I would leave, I was like in a rush. I want to get to bed because I'm tired. You know, I got to wake up at 3.45 in the morning. I'm like, I'm sleepy, right? So I was like, okay, Zach, here's for the bed. I'm walking. I goes, Daddy? Can you pray for me? And I'll come back, and I'm like, okay, no cockroaches and no bad dreams. Amen. Good night. You know, and then this went on and on. And by Thursday night, by Thursday night, he goes, Daddy, can you pray for me? Sure, whatever, right? So I'm just kind of like praying out of like just because I have to now. I said, what do you want to pray for, man? He goes, well, can you pray for, you know, cockroaches? I say, okay, I got that one. Can you pray for me not to have any bad dreams? I say, okay, I got that one. And then he added, like, you know, can you pray for, uh, to help my teacher get, you know, feel better? He had been saying that for a while. I was already kind of tired of that one by that time. And so I was like, okay, I got that one too. And then he goes, can you pray for all the poor and the hungry in the world that God can help them? And I was like, where did that come from? Where did that come from? And he goes, well, it came from my heart, Dad. Boom. Holy Spirit conviction. See, Zach, the whole time when he was praying, and we were praying here, he was praying by faith. He was really believing these prayers, and I was just, just totally oblivious to it, just trying to get to sleep, just trying to hurry up. I wasn't doing it in faith, but he was. And his faithful prayers led his heart to see the need for someplace else, and he was praying for those people. I don't know where. I was like freaking out. I mean, literally, I walked out of the room. I was like, I'm a terrible Christian. You know, like I suck. 
So that night we both said a heartfelt prayer and are pleading for God's help to come around and help these people. We prayed for the church to be motivated and, and to be activated to do something for the poor around the world, that the body of Christ would band together and do something. It felt so good to say a prayer to God that wasn't just a repetitious thing that I had to say every night. It was a prayer that was heartfelt. I could see it in his eyes as he held his little hands there. He really was praying for these people. See, God doesn't want empty words and phrases. He wants our hearts to believe in what we're praying for. On the flip side, we don't want to pray for things that we actually do want sometimes. We always are okay to pray for things that we don't want. We'll pray for things like that. We're like, okay, I'll pray for the cockroaches. I'll pray for the bad dreams. I'll, I'll say those prayers real quickly. But we're also, on the flip side, afraid to pray for the things that we really do want. We're afraid to get specific with our prayers because we're afraid that if we bring them to God, he might say no. And so our prayers kind of go bland. They kind of go broad like this. They go, bless my family. Lord, keep me happy. Lord, your will be done. And Lord, if you see it to be, let it be. And these are these, these broad statements where we should be looking to God with enough faith and say that I believe that you can do this. And you start praying like that, your prayers look more like, Lord, we've been bearing without children for a while. Lord, we praying that you give us a child. Lord, my wife and I, we desire to have life. We desire to build a family. Lord, give us a child. Some might say, God, for me, for me, my, I just need freedom from this addiction. I need to get out of this. Lord, help me with this specific issue I got in my life. Lord, heal this cancer. This cancer in my body, heal it. I want you to rid it. I'm not ready. My life is young. Please, Lord, heal this cancer. Or maybe God move in my city. None of this, God, just your will be our hope that everyone gets to know you, Lord. No, move in my city, Lord. Move in Corpus Christi, Texas. Lord, move in my neighborhood. Move, you know, let my friends know you, Lord. I pray for this person by name, Lord. I pray specific prayers. And we don't pray these prayers because we're always afraid that he might not answer them. That he might say no. And if we put up our hearts out there on the table, that he might actually reject them. If you want to see just how much faith you have, look at your prayer life. You say, oh, I have lots of faith. Well, but what are you praying for? What do your prayers look like? Are they full of religious phrases that don't really mean anything to you? Are you asking him for general things and, and, and nothing real specific in your life? Or are you scared to ask for anything that you really want in life because you're afraid he's going to turn you down? Remember, God is not after empty words. He is after our hearts to trust him. And he wants us to believe that what we do, what he can do, we believe he can do. True prayer is to God, through Jesus, by faith. God moves in our prayers to the impossible. As I was writing this, I was thinking about all the great things about prayer. And I'm always conscious to be careful about, you know, when I speak about prayer, when I speak about, you know, God, you know, because we 
as humans, we're selfish. We tend to have this, this, this mindset that when we pray and we get what we want, then that's good. And we, when we pray, if we just pray for it and believe it and name it and claim it, then we can have whatever we want. And there's a story I always like to joke about that there's these people that, that they were poor and they needed money and they, they looked at their the wallet and they said, Bill Fold, you fill up, you swell up with money right now, you know. Or, or there's people that look at storms and they say, uh, Tornado, you are not going to touch my house today. And you, and you stand on your front porch and you watch it come and just, you know, like I'm afraid that like, while God can do those things, I'm afraid that we can get so sucked up into believing that we deserve these things that we forget that there are actually some things that can hinder us from our prayer life. There are things that can hinder our prayer to God. While God is willing to listen to us, that there are things in our hearts and in our, in our bodies, in our lifestyles, that can actually hinder our connection to God. Things like our own sin in our life. Sin is a big hindrance to God. Isaiah 59.2 says, But your iniquities have, been made, have made a separation between you and God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear you. Things like our disobedience. Because sins not only are things that we, that we do, sins are sometimes things that we don't do. Things that we know we're supposed to do, but we don't do. So our disobedience separates us from God as well. If one turns away his ear from the hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. So if we turn away our ear and just live in disobedience, our prayer, even our prayer to God, is an abomination to him. Our wrong motives. So people are like, I have been praying for that Lamborghini all year long, and I still haven't seen it in my driveway. I've been praying for that job promotion, but God's thinking, if I give you that job promotion, what are you going to do with the, the extra finances that I give you? Are you going to honor me with it, or are you going to spoil it on more things for yourself? So our motives, in James 4.3 says, if you, do not, if you ask and do not receive, because you, it's because you asked wrongly to spend it on your own passions. So our motives can be wrong. When we pray and, and, and we have the wrong motives, they can be hindered. Or maybe just a lack of faith. We just talked about this. It's a lack of faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he is rewarded. He rewards those who seek him. And even as far as to our marital problems. Yes, your marital problems. If you're suffering in your marriage and your marriage is not doing right, that is a hindrance to your prayer life to God. And you're like, why is that? Why does I have anything? How does my marriage have anything to do with God? Your marriage has everything to do with God. It is a reflection of the gospel. And when you're not reflecting the gospel through your marriage, God looks at it and says, why should I even listen to your prayers? You need to get that right first. Likewise, husbands, this is 1 Peter 3, 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Show honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, no offense, to the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you in grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. Men, if you want your family to do well, if you want your life to do better, let me ask you this. How are you treating your wife? If you're praying to God, Lord, I want my family to do better. I want to do better in my life. How are you treating your wife? Because your prayers aren't being heard. All these things that dwell in our hearts or, or, or things that hinder our prayers, all these things are the things that, that say that we want life more than we want God, that we want the will of our own hearts, our own desires more than we want God. These are the things that hinder our prayer life. These are the things that stop us from being able to pray freely to God. See, when I talk about these things, they seem impossible, right? 
These are the things that seem impossible to do. And when I talk about the impossible things that God can do for you, what did you really think about? Earlier I said that, that we can able, that we pray God can do impossible things for us. I bet most of us here thought that I was talking about the, the prayers that you have for the things that you know you can't do on your own. Like, I, I know, okay, God can do the impossible. Well, God, I really, really, really think that we need a new house. That seems so impossible for me. Or God, I really, really, really need this, and that seems impossible for me. And that's what we think. But how many of us thought about the impossible cleansing of our own hearts? So you can try your hardest to clean up your own life, and you can try your hardest to fix your marriages, and you can try your hardest to do all those things in your life to, to make it clean. But the reality is, is when we try to remove the desires of our heart, ultimately we cannot do that. And because, of our, because your prayer is coming from the motive of your own heart, God is not going to grant that prayer. So what do we do? Check this out. What do we do when we pray and God doesn't answer our prayers? And you're thinking, no, 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 no. God does answer all my prayers, Pastor. Everything I pray, I know God's going to answer it one way or another. Well, that, that's kind of wrong. See, the night that Jesus was captured, he was praying to God. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was there on his hands and knees, and he was praying. In fact, he was so stressed out that he was sweating drops of blood out of his skin. And he, was, he had a heavy heart, and he was very stressed out and worried. He knew that in just a matter of hours, they were going to come capture him. And in just a matter of a day or so, they were going to brutally just beat him. And they, he knew that his life was fixing to come to an end. He knew and he foresaw the suffering that was fixing to come for him. He knew that, that he was going to die. And in his flesh, he begged and pleaded God to save his life. Check this out. He said, Abba, Father, he says, all things are possible for you. And if so, remove this cup of suffering from me. So Jesus is pleading and praying to God to remove what was about to happen to him. And in one of the most relatable moments we have with Jesus as being human, just like us, we find him begging for his life through his own fleshly desires. I do not want to die. Jesus is speaking from the flesh, not from the faith at this moment. But he quickly reverts back to the faith. And he finishes that sentence, that same prayer. He says, would you please remove this cup of suffering from me? And he stops and he says, yet what I will... Yet not what I will, but what you will. It's, I want you to remove this suffering from me, Lord, but it's not my will, it's your will. And whatever it is that you want to do, Lord, whatever it is that you desire for me, I am willing to go through it, Lord. He in, indeed had a desire and request for God to remove this suffering from his flesh, but it is more important for him to honor God first than for him to honor himself. And so at the end, he reverted back to whatever it is that you want. I am okay to do whatever it is, even if it means suffering into death, Lord, your will, but not mine. Though his prayers to God were, were uh, through his prayers, God moved mountains in Jesus' heart so that he could obey God, even if it meant going through suffering. And why can't God do the same for us? God can do the impossible of making a human heart trust and obey him, even when it means more suffering for us. He does so through our prayers. Even when God says no to our requests, he is doing the impossible by changing our hearts through those moments when he says no. 
when we desire things and we pray for things, even when we pray for people to live and God says, no, it is done. God is changing and moving in our hearts. And through those prayers, through that molding, he is making us more and more like Christ. He is doing the impossible. So we have to pray to God. We got to pray through Jesus. And we got to pray by faith to see him do the impossible things in our hearts that we cannot do on our own. Let me ask you this. Are you struggling? Are you struggling with something? Are you struggling with singleness? Beg God to bring you a spouse. Not a girlfriend, not a boyfriend, a spouse. Someone that you can invest time in and in, in grow in. Are you struggling with a lack of holiness? Just beg God to kill that sin in your heart. You want your marriage to be saved. Beg God to fill your hearts with sacrificial love. Do you want your friend to believe in Jesus? Beg him to reveal himself to that friend. Beg him and ask him to act. We know that our prayers can move God to do the impossible. Even though there are things that we beg God for until the day we die, he will always say no to those things. But still, we have faith in him that he is protecting us and he is watching over us for everything. But through that process, he will reshape our hearts and actually turn them into something that he desires. I want us to imagine a life that if we were to pray like that, what would that look like? If we were to pray a prayer that whenever we pray, we, we say, God, whatever it is, whatever our hearts desire, may you grant that. But if it is not your will, we are okay with that, Lord. Whatever it is that you want, may you pray prayers that are above and beyond you. May you pray prayers that are impossible for you to do. If we were to pray that, can you imagine the impact it would have on our hearts? Can you imagine the impact it would have on our family? Can you imagine the impact it would have on our church, our city, and our world? Can you imagine the impact of a body of believers who are praying wholeheartedly to change the world? Can you imagine what that will do? Let us be a church that keeps praying even in the midst of darkness. In the dark world and in the seasons, may we pray that he still is able to guide us through that. May we look to the cross as fuel for our faith to keep praying prayers that seem impossible. If he gave us his only son, how much more will he graciously give us through our prayers? Amen. We have a father in heaven who is listening and ready to act. And all we have to do is ask. The moment we're going to get up, we're going to be praying. I want to do something a little different. I want us to, uh, we're going to be praying over a song. There's going to be a song praying. It's a song that, that Amanda Cook was, was talking about before service right there. And as you're listening to the song, whatever posture you need to take to pray, take it. If you feel like you need to get on your knees, you feel like you got to stand in the middle of the aisle, if you feel like you just want to sit in your chair and be quiet, if you feel like you got to stand up and hug your neighbor, you feel like you want to pray over your neighbor, husbands, take this moment to pray over your wives. Husbands, take this moment to pray over, uh, you know, your family, fathers, your, your kids, whatever you need to. Take this time to pray and really pray. Let this be a gift from me to you. A whole six minutes of uninterrupted time of prayer. It's probably the most you'll get this whole week if you're busy. But take this moment today. If you need to get up here and pray over me or pray with me, whatever you need to do, I'll be up here. Sarah will probably be up here. Just take this time. So let's go ahead and start from prayer and we'll worship one more time. If you feel like you want to stand up and worship and just worship, you can do that as well. God, thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ, and for dying on the cross for us. Yeah, we pray that you would just uh, move in us here today. God, that in this room, that you would just be alive and moving in our hearts. 
God, we pray for great change. We pray for something radical to happen, that you would just be with us, God, when we pray over our families, when we pray over our, our uh, friends and neighbors, when we pray over this church, when we pray for this city. May we just pray for all the things that are going on in our hearts. Lord, may we be praying to God, and may we be praying through Jesus, and may we be praying by faith so that we can see the impossible things happen, Lord. Lord, because you don't miss a thing. You don't miss a thing, Lord. In a crowd as little as this, or in a crowd of 10,000, Lord, you don't miss a thing. All of our prayers, all of our needs, all of our desires, you see them all, and you see them through the eyes of love. May we just be praying to you today, Lord. Let's all stand and take whatever posture you take. Let's listen to the song and worship and pray. God, thank you for the beautiful mess that is Impact City Church. God, we are broken. We are not perfect. God, we, sometimes we mess up. Sometimes we get frustrated. Sometimes we get so overwhelmed by the mission of God that is before us. But yet you see us. You see everything. You see it all. All of our struggles, all of our pain, in the, in the darkest places of our hearts, Lord, you see it and you're there. Lord, we just beg and plead that you would hear our prayers. Lord, give us a faith to pray in faith for you. Lord, give us the, uh, the, the, the courage to pray brave prayers for you. And Lord, cleanse our hearts so that nothing can hinder us from praying to you. Cleanse our hearts, whatever it is that is in your heart today. Lord, you just release it to Jesus today. And you leave it at the foot of the cross. May you just walk away. Whatever struggles you have, you do not have to struggle anymore. Whatever hardships you have, you do not have to go through hardships anymore. Everything that you have struggled with, everything that holds you down, every ball and chain, everything that has tied you up, every sin that you have committed, every sin that you have have contemplated, everything that you have done, God has forgiven you today through the blood of Jesus Christ if you choose to believe that. Amen. And you seek him and you pray to God through Jesus and by faith. Jesus' name we humbly pray. Amen.